This is the Eye on Potatoes, brought to you by the National Potato Council. The Eye is the place to tune in for conversations with growers and thought leaders on advocacy, production, and all things potatoes. Now, here's your host, Lane Nordland. All right, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here on the Eye on Potatoes podcast. And this conversation is actually coming just a few short steps away from Capitol Hill. We're actually on the House side of the mall here today and the 2022 potato summit is underway in the nation's capital uh, a lot going on in the world uh, we are watching russia's invasion of ukraine uh, attendees were able to be in the city during the state of the union address by president joe biden last night and now we're just learning about all the issues impacting agriculture uh, in particular issues that impact the u.s potato industry and uh, we are so excited today to be joined by one of our keynote presenters, uh, Amy Walter. She is publisher and editor-in-chief of the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter, and uh, we are just so excited to have her here. But first, we do want to thank our sponsors of the podcast, uh, Syngenta. They continue to deliver solutions to help producers face the potato industry's complex challenges. For more on how they can help you and your operation, visit syngenta.us.com slash spud doctor i love that spud doctor <laughs> i mean it's not as good as eye on potato but i, I know spud doctor is pretty it's good pretty good yeah. so but amy thank you so much for joining us here today obviously with more than 25 years of really looking at politics analyzing politics you truly are a voice uh for so many to learn about what is going on here within the beltway but first off what welcome to the uh, uh washington summit here well thank you you all picked quite the week to come to washington uh coming to during a State of the Union address is always an interesting experience for folks who haven't been to Washington during that time, um, right? You have most of the members of Congress sitting in the Capitol, members of the Supreme Court, the cabinet. Obviously, the security is quite something to behold when you do have all of those powerful people all in one building. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it's always somewhat of a, a pomp and circumstance kind of event. COVID continues to take a toll on that. It wasn't quite as packed as you, say, would have seen Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years back. But, uh, yeah, quite a time to be here. uh, And, and again, not just because of uh, the State of the Union, but we also are in a a geopolitical uh, moment here that is... uh, it's pretty scary. It, it is. And, and I do want to, that, that's where I want to start our conversation with Ukraine. But first off, I just want to reference it. It's been two years since uh, the U.S. potato industry has been in D.C. face to face. And that was at the 2020, uh, what used to be called the fly-in. And I had the opportunity to sit down with Charlie Cook. And we talked about uh, what, what was unknown at that time in the political world. And uh, let, let's just talk about the Cook political report and uh, the audience that you reach. Yeah, sure. So we have been around since the mid 80s. And Charlie Cook started the publication um, with the goal of really being a nonpartisan voice uh, that analyzes elections and trends. We look specifically at federal races, but we do cover governor's races as well. And I think especially now in this time where so many of us are overwhelmed by the amount of information that's coming at us, we have 30 million news sources, it seems, a new one every day pops up. Um, Our job is to try to cut through all of that. Um, We're not here to take a side. We don't take positions on issues. Uh, We are just uh, 
being as, as clear-eyed as possible on how the two parties and the specific candidates, um, how they look as they go into an election, and what are what are the ways in which the issues and the environment that we're all living in right now, how is that impacting the way voters perceive uh their elected officials, how they're looking at the president, the kinds of things that they're the most interested in. So it's, uh, as you point out, uh, you know, in 2020, at this point, we didn't really have any clue what was about to come. And I do spend a lot of time uh, using the, uh, I guess it's a a version of the infamous Donald Rumsfeld uh, phrase he used a lot during uh, the war in Iraq where he said, you know, you have known unknowns and you have unknown unknowns. And politics is a lot like that. There are the known unknowns, right? Um, we don't know exactly what turnout is going to look like, but we do have a sense for what a midterm election, right? Historically, what matters. Um, we don't know exactly what the president's approval rating is going to be. It matters a lot, but we, again, we can look at some fundamentals to understand where it should be. And the unknown unknowns are those things like we were talking about a second ago, Mm -hmm. a pandemic, a once in a hundred year pandemic. So um, you always have to be prepared for those unknown unknowns, but to appreciate where we start to understand the fundamentals to me is the most important skill set in analyzing any uh, any political race, but especially the political moment that we're yep. sitting in. Well, and truly, the world changed last Thursday. Uh, we, we understand that, and there is so much unknown with that. So as we look at the events unfolding in Ukraine, what, what, what does that mean when we are looking uh, at that forecast, that prediction of what it means for uh, the Biden administration in the next few years, but in more, uh, more specifically, the 2022 midterm races? Right. I mean, given the fact that uh, most of us were not alive the last time, we saw a land war in Europe. Um, we have to be very cautious, I think, about assuming we know where this is headed. Um, I think what has been um, quite remarkable and also heartening is to see the world, um, especially Europe, our NATO allies, really join together in not only condemning Russia and Putin, but putting really strict sanctions on that. You know, there was a lot of talk over these last few years that maybe this relationship that we have with the rest of Europe or Europe itself, because we've seen, you know, so much fracturing, a lot of national rise of of nationalism, a sense of we've got to protect what we have at home. We shouldn't worry so much about what's happening in the rest of the world. Um, It's clear that there is still a fundamental tie that binds all of us, and that hasn't gone away. Um, The other bit of good news is, and you could hear it last night in uh, the president's speech, this has been a real unifying thing for the United States. Um, There's nothing Americans love more than rooting for the underdog and rooting for the person who's been bullied uh, to to succeed, rooting for um, David to beat Goliath. And um, in a country where we seem to be divided about everything, can't even agree on are puppies adorable or not, (laughs) Um, the fact that overwhelming majority say, yeah, Putin's a bad guy. Yeah, 
This was completely uncalled for, unjustified. Yeah, we should be putting sanctions on Russia. Absolutely, we should increase our aid to Ukraine. Absolutely, we should be doing more. Um, And yes, we should send troops to these NATO countries. That, to me, is a good sign, right? A sign that um, we we have been able to, when it comes right down to it, there is a, a unity there. What we haven't seen, though, is an increase in support for President Biden himself or uh, in, uh, a rise in the approval ratings of how the president is handling either foreign policy like Russia or just overall having more faith in his ability to, to conduct uh, his job, to do his job well. And that's what I'm going to be watching for as we move um, through these next few weeks here. Because as I said, the actions that the administration are taking are actually quite popular. But opinions of the president themselves going into what we saw were very low, right? He had very, very low job approval ratings. Um, and uh it's it's going to be interesting to see if voters are willing to give him credit. If they are giving credit to his actions, will they give him credit as well? Well, I want to talk about the midterm uh, elections coming up here. <laughs> They'll be here before we know it, and specifically looking back on that uh, Virginia governor's race. But we're going to, just going to take a quick sponsor break. We'll be back here with Amy Walter right after these words. Syngenta cares about potato producer productivity and offers a wide variety of seed treatment options protecting your investment from the beginning. Syngenta's all-liquid seed treatment Cruiser Max Potato offers protection from harmful insect pests, including Colorado potato beetle, green pea jfit, and leaf hoppers. Additionally, Cruiser Max Potato delivers immediate protection against fungal diseases. Contact your local retailer for more information. Cruiser Max Potato, Cruiser 5FS, Dynasty or Maxim MZ to find out what best fits your farm needs. All right, again, a big thank you to our friends at Syngenta for continuing to help us bring you the Eye on Potatoes podcast. Again, we are just a few steps away from the U.S. Capitol here today during the National Potato Council's Washington Summit. And joining us is Amy Walter, of course, with the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter. And uh, Amy, before the break, we were talking about, uh, obviously, the dire situation in Ukraine, the president's approval ratings, and that leads into the upcoming midterm elections and uh, uh, historically when we see the Virginia governor's race uh, uh, take place before that midterm election that uh, tells a lot what I guess the world has changed though since then what I guess (laughs) the world has changed and yet the world hasn't changed (laughs) I mean the thing about um, our politics over these last let's call it 10 or 15 years I mean we've been through a lot in this country right even just think at the turn of the 21st century We've had 9-11, we've had the financial crash, we have a pandemic, um, and yet um, there has been a tremendous amount of consistency, at least in, in the way uh, voters perceive their elected leaders and how people vote, right? What they vote on, what matters to them. And um, when I look at the fundamentals, what matter in any, especially a midterm election, how people feel about the president is critical. Do they think he's doing a good job? Do they not think he's doing a good job? Are, are uh, the members of his party excited, energized behind him? Or are they feeling a little bit discouraged, disappointed, maybe hasn't lived up to uh, all the hopes and dreams they had for him? What about the other side? 
Is the opposition party fired up, ready to go and turn out and vote? That's what we saw in Virginia. That's what we've seen in, in some of these other off-year races, either legislative races, races or special elections, where what you're seeing is a Democratic turnout that's pretty good. It's, a, it's, it's basically on par for what we would expect um, in an off-year election, but Republican turnout is through the roof. And we saw a different version of that, right? In 2017 and in 2018, it was Democrats who were fired up and super engaged and were turning out to vote in record numbers. Republicans were also turning out in big numbers. They just couldn't match that level of enthusiasm. So I think what we have to be watching for, again, even as all of these new issues get introduced, as we started this conversation by saying we're, we're at a really tense geopolitical moment, and yet, um, Americans do focus mostly at home when it comes to a midterm election. What's happening to, to me, my neighbors, my community? This is especially true when we are also in this country living through the, still the long tail of COVID, right? That's, we're still struggling to figure out how to tame that, both from a health perspective, but also uh, from an economic perspective. So we've got that. Uh, still not under completely under control, um, and, a, and an economy that is really pinching a lot of people. Forty-year uh, high in inflation has been significant, and those are the sorts of things that people are more focused on at this moment in time. Certainly, there's support for Ukraine, but when it comes right down to, okay, is this election going to turn on what's happening in Europe? Right now, that doesn't seem likely my last area because you get to go take the podium here Ooh, soon and you get to have lunch that's right, that's the main actually thing the more that's actually piece. more important yeah, yeah. Uh, but my uh, who uh, as we look at these trends what is the outlook for who will be the gop nomination at this point oh in 24 yeah <laughs> I, I, you, you knew you i was to, gonna throw a hard one throw me a curveball <laughs> in there um look uh i don't think there's any doubt that donald trump wants to run and I'm pretty confident that he will run, but I'm not confident that he will not have a serious opponent or that even if he has an opponent that at this point in time doesn't look like a top tier, right? Not one of the A-team that uh, uh, I wouldn't say that he's going to be able to, to, to make it as easy as some people assume. So I think there is a hunger among Republicans for a candidate who can win in 2024. I think Republicans still like Donald Trump a lot. I still think they support him, but they also want to look forward. They want to look to who's going to be focused on 24, not who's looking backward to what happened in 2020. And most especially, you know, they want the energy and the excitement and the ideology that Trump provided. But they, but what I'm hearing from many Republicans is they're worried about the baggage that Trump would bring into a 24 election. So I think it's going to be exciting. I think we're going to have competitive primaries, probably on both sides, uh, which, you know, keeps all of us who do this for a living pretty busy. And uh, reverse that. Uh, will President Biden run for a second? That's what term? I mean. I, I again, my instinct says no. Even though most United States presidents do run for re-election, we've never had a 79-year-old president before. 
Um, so it, it is it is very difficult. Yep. Not that I've been president before, but I can understand <laughs> if you've been president of the United States to give that up willingly and not run for re-election. That is a very difficult thing to do. But um, I think that, uh, you know, as we get closer to 23, we uh, are probably going to hear from Democrats who are thinking, you know, maybe we should get ourselves prepared for that reality. And uh, there's going to be a lot of jockeying on the Democratic side because there's, even though Kamala Harris would start off as a front runner simply because she's the best known and she's the vice president, um, don't assume that she's the go-to nominee. Well, again, Amy Walter, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, the food line is right next to us. I know, so maybe I should jump. You should jump in. No, no, I I actually have to do another show here. Uh, But, uh, no, thank you so much. I hope they give you something. Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe a cookie. I'll I'll be good. (laughs) But, again, Amy Walter with the Cook Political Report. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for taking the time to to share your knowledge with attendees here at uh, the uh, Washington Summit. Happy to do it. All right, friends, thank you so much for joining us here on the Eye on Potatoes podcast. I'm Lee Nordlund. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the National Potato Council's Eye on Potatoes podcast with host Lane Nordland. For more information, visit nationalpotatocouncil.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.